You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let's now open God's holy word. We'll consider two passages this afternoon. Genesis 1, part of chapter 2, and then we'll turn to the New Testament, Mark chapter 4. So we begin on the first page of Holy Scripture where we read God's Word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters, to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters He called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created great creatures of the sea, and every living and moving thing with which the water teems, according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, 
and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all His work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it He rested from all the work of creating that He had done. Now we turn to the Gospel according to Mark chapter 4, where we read about our Savior Jesus Christ exercising His power over creation which He made. Mark 4, beginning at verse 35. That day when evening came, He, that is Jesus, said to His disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took Him along just as He was in the boat. There were also other boats with Him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke Him and said to Him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's now turn to Lord's Day 9 in the Heidelberg Catechism. This Lord's Day heads the section entitled God the Father and Our Creation. And here we confess, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth? That the Eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who who still upholds and governs them by His eternal counsel and providence, is, for the sake of Christ His Son, my God and my Father. In Him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that He will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul, and will also turn to my good whatever adversity He sends me in this life of sorrow. He is able to do so as Almighty God and willing also as a faithful father. 
Brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, suppose you're sitting down one evening and searching for a passage of Scripture that displays the power and the might of God. One of the most obvious places to turn would be Genesis 1, wouldn't it? Right? The beginning of our Bibles. We all know that Spirit-inspired story of Genesis 1, the account of the creation of the world. The children know that story very well too, don't you? Yet, every time we read it, at least if we read it with our hearts alert and with our minds clear and attentive, It will capture our attention and fill us with adoration and awe for our Almighty God. When we read Genesis 1, it makes us want to sing praises to our God, doesn't it? For His power. What a great passage to choose when we want to discuss and delight in the greatness of our God. Now suppose you're searching for a passage about the great love of God. Maybe as an elder or deacon, you wish to make a visit. Or as a friend, for that matter. You desire to comfort and encourage someone with the reality of God's great love because of some particular struggle or difficulty they're facing in their lives. Would Genesis 1 be a good starting point? Well, I would suggest, brothers and sisters, that it absolutely would. In creation, we see the greatness both of God's power and of His love. And we see how our Almighty God and Father continues to exhibit that same power and love now, every day of our lives, as when He created all things. When God created the world, as we read, everything came into being at His word of of command. It's astounding, isn't it, brothers and sisters? God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. The firmament was the sky or the heavens. And it was so. God commanded the water under the sky to be gathered together in oceans and lakes and streams. And it was so. The oceans and lakes and streams that we have been enjoying this summer. God spoke them into existence. He said, let them be there. And it was so. How is it possible for us not to be filled with wonder and adoration and praise for God when we read such things? It makes us want to join the psalmist in Psalm 33, like we did this afternoon, where he praises God for bringing everything into existence merely by speaking. 
There in Psalm 33, the psalmist says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of His mouth. And then the psalmist urges us to praise the Lord, to fall down in worship before Him. Let all the earth fear the Lord, he says. Let all the people of the world revere Him. For He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Remember how the 24 elders praised God in Revelation 4. They also praised God for His creation. They say, as we can read in Revelation 4, verse 11, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things, and by Your will they were created and have their being. As we confess in answer 26, out of nothing He created heaven and earth and all that is in them. Especially during these summer months when we spend so much time outside as a rule. What a wonderful thing for us to think about, to glory in. God created all this by the breath of His mouth. He spoke. And it all came into being. Now the power and strength by which God created the world is the same power by which He works salvation for His people. It's the same power that He uses in our lives. In our lives of sin, in our lives of difficulties and trials and temptations. He exerts that same creative, recreative power. God, the Father, our Creator, and God, the Son, our Redeemer, are always working together. And that was also the case when God created the world. The Son was there. As we read, as we confess in Article 12 of the Belgian Confession, which quotes John 1, verse 3, we believe that the Father has created everything through the Word that is His Son. Remember what John 1 Verse 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, verse, read the verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Everything was made through the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything was created through Jesus. Now why is this so significant? Why does John tell us this at the beginning of his Gospel? And why do we confess this reality? Well, brothers and sisters, it shows us that the God whom we behold in Genesis 1 is not a God of raw power. He is the God of salvation. He is the God who saves, who redeems. 
He is the God who exerts His power for the salvation of His people in the same manner as when He created all things. That's something that we see all over the Bible. How did God deliver His people from Egypt? Know that amazing story in the book of Exodus. How did God save His people from Egypt? Well, He took creation and He turned it upside down, so to speak. All the forces of nature answered His word of command when He brought the ten plagues on Egypt. There are so many striking similarities to the account in Genesis 1. By simply speaking, God brought total darkness on the land of Egypt just as He had brought light into the world at creation. He spoke. And it became dark. In fact, we're told in Exodus 10 that the darkness was so thick that it could be felt. It was as if you could feel it with your fingers. He spoke. And it was done. Almighty God just had to speak the Word. And the whole land of Egypt was teeming with frogs and gnats, flies and locusts. Just as the earth teemed with living creatures on the sixth day of creation at His command, God spoke and it was done. By the breath of His mouth, God divided the waters of the Red Sea to make a pathway for His people out of Egypt. That reminds us, doesn't it, of the way He divided the water above the heavens, the clouds of the sky, and the waters below the heavens, the oceans and the lakes, when He created the world. Yes, all He had to do was issue His word of command and the waters of the Red Sea separated. He spoke. And it happened. He spoke for the salvation of His people. He spoke to save His people. And it happened. And we see this connection between creation and salvation in many other places too. So often, Scripture speaks about salvation in terms of creation. Consider Psalm 74, for example, where Asaph describes God's saving power and praises God for displaying His power power at the Exodus. In this psalm, Psalm 74, if, if you want to look it up, you're welcome to. In this psalm, God's power in both creation are both creation and salvation are beautifully woven together into the fabric of a single song. See that in verse 12 of Psalm 74. There, as the psalmist cries out for redemption, he recalls how Yahweh is the God who brings salvation upon the earth or upon creation. And then he says in verse 13, Psalm 74, 
It was you who split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the monster in the waters. And that's a reference to Pharaoh and his host. And then in verse 15 and following of Psalm 74, it was you who opened up the springs and streams. You dried up the ever-flowing rivers. The day is yours and yours also is the night. You established the sun and the moon. It was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. You, O God, made both the summer and the winter. To put it another way, the psalmist is really saying in Psalm 74, Lord, You are able to save Your people with the same power that You had when You created the world. When You speak, the deed is done. You see that also in Psalm 136. There in Psalm 136, the psalmist gives thanks to the Lord for creating all things. And then, in the next breath, he praises Him for the way He delivered Israel from Egypt. We could go on and on. It's also there in Psalm 18, which we're going to sing later in this service. We see it not only in the Old Testament, we also see it in the New Testament. There too, we see creation responding to God's command in the person of Jesus. That's the reason that we read Mark 4. Isn't it astonishing that even the wind and the waves obeyed Him? From our perspective, we might say, well, yeah, of course, that's because Jesus is God and He's Almighty. But if we were there with the disciples, would we have reacted any differently than they did? Do we forget as they did that Jesus, the Savior, is powerful? That He has all creation at His disposal and in His control in His hand. We see that throughout the life of our Savior. Already at the birth of our Savior. You remember how when Jesus was born, at the moment that Jesus was born, all creation trembled. Do you remember how, how the earth split open when Jesus was born? How, sorry, how the heavens split open when Jesus was born? And how the great army of angels came forward onto earth and shouted the praise of Jesus' birth? Same thing happened at the death of our Savior. Then too, all creation trembled and quaked. We read at the end of the Gospels, Matthew and Luke, how the moment of Jesus' death, there was an earthquake. We read how rocks split apart and how the earth was torn open so that people even came out of their graves. Isn't 
You see, brothers and sisters, that's why the catechism speaks the way it does about God the Father, our Creator. He is called there the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, our Father, who through Jesus Christ created the world by His almighty power, is the same Father who through Jesus Christ brings salvation to us by His almighty power. Through Christ, God continues to employ His creation for our salvation. In fact, brothers and sisters, God's work of salvation in your and my heart and in your and my life is as great and as powerful as His work of creation. This is something we can demonstrate from the words of our Savior Himself. Listen to how Jesus describes His saving work as a work of similar proportions to His creation. He says in John 5, verse 25, I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. In other words, Jesus the Son speaks and it is so. Jesus the Savior speaks. All He has to do is speak. And the spiritually dead are made alive. It's how we have new life, brothers and sisters. It's because of the voice of Jesus. We see that throughout Christ's life on earth. When He spoke, it was so. When Jesus told the lame to walk, it was so. When Jesus commanded the eyes of the blind to be opened, it was so. Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God said, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made His light shine in our hearts, our dark hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Listen to what Paul says here. We, who were once darkness, just like the cosmos before creation, are now light in the Lord. Because God spoke, and it was so. Once you and I, brothers and sisters, once you and I were dead in our sins. But now, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, now we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. 
It's hard not to mention what we confess in Canons of Dort. Under heads 3 and 4, Article 12, which you certainly are familiar with too. There we confess that God's salvation work in our hearts, that is, His conversion or regeneration work in our hearts, is clearly a supernatural work, most powerful and at the same time most delightful, astonishing, mysterious, and inexpressible work. And then this article goes on to say of the new life which God creates in our hearts by His Spirit that it is not inferior in power to creation. When you read Genesis 1 then, stand in awe before God and worship and praise Him for His powerful and glorious work of creation. You may in the same breath with equal amazement and adoration and praise worship Him and give thanks to Him for His work in your life. His work of salvation. His work of creation in your heart, your life. With equal awe, with equal wonder, as when you behold the beautiful creation around you, the ocean and the mountains, the rivers, and all things beautiful that God has created, you may say, with equal adoration and praise to God, I was dead, but now I am alive. You can say with equal wonder, I was blind, but now I see. I was deaf, but now I hear. I was darkness, but now I am light. Why is that so? That's so. Only because God has said so. And I, you, can say that because we believe what He said. Now we confess here that our God who created us is not only Almighty, He's also our Father. Actually, the Catechism says that He is for the sake of Christ His Son, my God and my Father. Now why is it put this way? Well, in this way, we're reminded that when God created the world, He did not do so as an act of brute power. Rather, He exerted His power in love. He, When God created the world by His almighty hand, He did so in love. His hand moved at creation not with blind force, but in tender love. And we need to be reminded of this, don't we, brothers and sisters? We need to be reminded what our Father in heaven 
is like. Because he's not like earthly fathers sometimes are. Earthly fathers are sometimes very poor fathers. Perhaps because they never give attention to their children. Sometimes earthly fathers even abuse their children in one form or another. Verbally or sexually. Physically. Sometimes earthly fathers simply have no affection or love toward their children at all. How sad that all these things happen. That's the reality of life in this fallen world. And it's important that we we think about this and that we consider this because those who have had such a father often find it difficult to call God their father. This is surely sobering for all of us who are fathers, isn't it, brothers? When we treat our children poorly or abusively, then what we are doing is we are teaching them, we are teaching our children something about God their Father. And what we're teaching them about their Heavenly Father is dead wrong. Because our Heavenly Father is not like that. He is not abusive. He is not distant. He does not hurt the children He loves. Well, brothers and sisters, whatever kind of earthly fathers we have known, Let us not think of our Father in heaven on the basis of our own personal experience. Let's remember that our Father in heaven doesn't follow the pattern or example of any earthly father. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is... He is the Father of our Savior. That He is the the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we confess here, reminds us that He loved us even before the creation of the world. Paul tells us that in Ephesians 1. He tells us there that He chose us in Christ before the creation of the world and that in love He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ. Take note of what Paul says there in Ephesians 1. In love, God our Father predestined us to be adopted as His children. And He did that even before He created the world. Can you imagine that? Even before God created the heavens and the earth, He loved you in Christ. Isn't that astounding? Even before God said, let there be light, 
He had chosen you to be His child, His son, His daughter. That's what Paul tells us in Ephesians 1. He chose us to be His children even from eternity. God created the world not only with great power, but also with tender love for you, brother, for you, sister. Even during the creation, which we read about earlier, even during creation, God had you in mind. That same love which He had for you when He created the world continued when He sent Jesus into the world to pay for all your sins so that you wouldn't perish but have eternal life. And He still loves you with that same great and everlasting love. And that's why you and I may confess with Lord's Day 9, In Him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that He will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul and will also turn to my good whatever adversity He sends me in this life of sorrow. Yes, sometimes you may ask yourself, what's the sense of living? Sometimes you may wonder how you will be able to carry on. Sometimes you may feel that God is so far away from you. You may even feel that He doesn't even want anything to do with you. Sometimes you may feel so burdened by your sins that you feel that you are out of reach of God's love. Sometimes, you may even completely forget God, your Father. And you may forget that as a Father, He loves you. Well then, look to Christ. Place your trust in Him. Remember His great love for you. Remember His word of love to you, which starts already on page one of your Bible. Remember that He loved you before the world was created. He's promised His love to you. Don't reject His promise. Believe it. Believe Him, God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.